everybody, it's Joby here with the 477th episode of the GAP podcast, the generic acronym podcast podcast. Uh, it is Friday the 26th of July and I am going live, solo, also not live, but I'm not redoing this intro again. Um, yeah, I'm going solo today, Luke's... Um, Luke's flight got pushed back. He's in Paris right now doing something. I don't think he's allowed to say, um, but we will talk about it in the coming weeks. Uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Um, I wish I was there, but uh, we will be traveling together next week uh, on a trip uh, that I can't detail yet. But if you check out my Twitter, you'll see details about it then. Uh, I'm pretty pumped for that as well. That's going to be pretty great. Uh, yeah, it should be good. Um, but yeah, so it's just me today. Uh, going to talk about the games I've been playing. See how we go. Um, because obviously I, I, I'm all alone here. But that doesn't mean there wasn't anything to play. We might kick off. Uh, I didn't collect any of the news, by the way. So... Um, <laughs> I guess I'll just wing that when we get to it, but, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, we will kick off, uh, with some Underlords. Uh, before I start, I'm just gonna shout out to my drink of choice. You can't see it on, on the video feed, because there is no video feed, and nobody watches the video feed anyway, um, but I am drinking Archie Rose's Chocolate Malt Rye Whiskey. I've had to highball it up. I think I spoke about it before, but um, because it's unaged, and uh, I believe you need like three years to qualify as a whiskey in Australia. Two or three years to qualify as a whiskey. It's a very young whiskey, you know, but uh, it is actually chocolatey as fuck. So if you mix it into a highball, if you add some um like blank uh, mixer soda water or tonic water to it, I, I went with soda water, uh, then it winds up being super tasty, like really tasty, it's still a little bit harsh, but that's because I may have pulled myself uh, two and a half, a double, a double and then some, uh, anyway, um, yeah, we'll kick off with some Underlords, uh, so obviously still playing a bunch of Underlords, I have stopped playing Team Fight Tactics primarily because it's not on mobile. Uh, and uh, ironically, the problem that Underlords has, <laughs> the, pro the one thing holding Underlords back appears to be uh, the fact that it's on mobile. Every report that I've seen so far uh, over the last week or so is that uh, the reason they're not able to very quickly patch it out, obviously if it was Steam only, uh, you know, Valve owns Steam, I wouldn't have any problems just iterating real quick. Uh, but because it is on the iOS um, store, the Apple store, they're not able to actually roll out patches just willy-nilly. They have to go through the approval pr process for every single patch, uh, which is clearly something they hadn't accounted for uh, because they keep doing goofy shit uh, and seeing what will work and, and not really, you know, obviously they're not playtesting anything. Um, because like they're doing patches every single week and, uh, it is a small team. I believe it's 20 people working on it at Valve. Uh, and I mean, to be fair, they are the, uh, 
I don't know if it's still true, but last last time I saw anything about it, they were the highest paid employees per person at a company uh, in the world. No company in the world pays its employees more. And the reason that is is that generally they contract a lot of shit out, you know. So I think that maybe a bit, you know, the numbers might be a bit fudged. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, they get paid a lot. Uh, but there aren't a lot of them. And yeah, so we wind up in a situation where Underlords is not being tested before it's rolled out. And we wind up with patches where, yeah, we don't get some of the stuff we were looking forward to. We didn't get a uh, 1v1 stuff, which I was really looking forward to. And I was supposed to put in last week. But uh, what we do get is uh, some changes to... I guess, uh, mitigate the night meta to some extent, uh, by a lot, like by making other heroes more viable. There were a lot of nerfs. It was a very nerf heavy buff. Uh, and I know that traditionally the Dota style, the Dota two style has been, um, more like balanced by buffing, which is why I find it very interesting that Underlords is balancing by nerfing, but I guess they're trying to find a base level first and then they will be able to balance by buffing. I hope, personally, I think balance, balancing by buffing is always better than balancing by nerfing because it's a better um, it's a better outcome for the player. It's a better player experience situation. Balancing by nerfing uh, takes something that you really like, takes something that you've worked towards, be it you know uh, the Destiny style of working really hard to get a piece of loot and then Bungie nerfs it into the dirt and you get fucking mad. That also applies to Diablo. Or it, it, it um, you know, worked very hard to learn a character uh, and then they nerf it, which sort of happened to me with uh, Wraith in Apex Legends. I didn't play her heaps, but I was starting to get a real good grasp on the really efficient ways to use her. And then they added the um, damage increase in the season two patch. And it sort of felt like, I know it wasn't an attack on me, obviously, cognitively. I know that they weren't directly targeting me. But um, yeah, it did feel like, you know, they were uh, sort of boning me on that one. Why did I spend all this time to learn Wraith only for her? Obviously, I was learning Wraith because she was, uh, you know, high picked on meta hero. Um, but nevertheless, I put time in, right? Like I personally put time in to learn her. So it feels bad when she's nerfed and no longer, you know, the, the time spent is no longer the same, you know? Meanwhile, balancing by buffing is the opposite. It's that style of, Apex doesn't exclusively balance by nerfing, by the way. They've like actually pretty well established that they prefer to buff, uh, as is the case with Gibraltar and Caustic. Um, but nevertheless, ge- generally, like the overwhelming philosophy of balancing by buffing is is better for the player experience because what you wind up having is that happy moment where, you know, if I had learned Wraith and they buffed everyone around her and just left her normal, what would have happened is she would still be uh, like the same level of viability. So my effort to learn her wouldn't have gone to waste um, I'd still be good at a really good character. It would just be that everyone else 
was quite good as well. Uh, and so I would be incentivized to learn the other ones as well, as opposed to feeling like I should have learned it, like should have never spent the time learning Wraith type thing. You know, I don't like Wraith's character in general. It's the same reason like, I don't play Mirage very much because I can't stand whenever he talks, you know, in Apex. Like every time he says anything, it drives me fucking bananas. I don't find it endearing that he's got the same three quips that he says over and over and over again. So... Yeah, basically, I'm just like, eh, let's eh, let's skip ahead. Let's 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 not play with Mirage, and I prefer nobody in my team play with Mirage as well. Wraith is not the same level of annoying. I just don't find her all that interesting. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the the concept of balancing by buffing is generally better, and it's interesting that Underlords is balancing by nerfing. A lot of nerfs went out in the last patch. Uh, I don't have it up in front of me, and I don't want to touch my desk to rattle my microphone, um, so I will avoid doing that. But um, basically, what they were trying to do is make it so that Warlocks are a lot more viable, uh, or more viable than they were already. They were trying to kill a little bit of the uh, Mage meta, Obviously, kill the Nightmare, and the other thing they were trying to kill is the over-reliance on big heroes. One of the things that was happening right at the end, right before the last patch, where people would literally just cycle, uh, re-roll for five gold heroes. Uh, especially if they could get the, the friends and family discount, where everything was one cheaper. People would literally just cycle through and fill their team out with as many five-star heroes as they could, or five-gold heroes, sorry, uh, as they could. And what that would do is basically over what, like the the stats on those characters was so high that you would inevitably wind up overwhelming whoever you came in front, like came up against. It wouldn't matter, like. There was no strategy. It was literally about rolling until you found the right pieces. Um, well, actually, when I say that, say it out loud like that. <laughs> that is a strategy. Um, more. That's that's some that's some fucking poker machine, pokey machine uh, mentality. You know, just rolling until you get the high percentage, uh, the low percentage thing to tr pull up so you can win via that is is not the game that they're trying to build out in underlords what they're trying to do is create interesting synergies uh, a, a range of interesting synergies so it's very important that you know you aren't abandoning a knight's meta just so you can build a bunch of disparate heroes of, of a bunch of different shit like enigmas a fucking warlock and then you've got a mage and then you've got a fucking tide hunter hunter uh, hunt, Tidehunter, by the way, no longer a hunter. Even though Hunter is in his name, he is now a warrior. Um, one of the changes they made, they also dropped him to four gold, nerfed him quite significantly. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they did in this patch is they made it so that everything, like, basically, if, if you're not three-star, you're not doing shit. Uh, and it's really good. It's a really good change because it, what it does is it makes the lower-end stuff a lot more viable because it's so much harder to get a five gold to, three, to the three-star stage. And they really ramp up in power once they get to three stars. And so what that's doing is it means that if a game gets to super late game, the late end of the fucking cycle, and people are still going, and they manage to get a three-star fucking Enigma out, 
then they've got a massive power spike that really helps them and gives them the edge to win. That is actually how it's supposed to be, right? They built towards something that was unlikely. They managed to make it happen. They still had to live long enough to make that happen. But, so there's skill involved, but at the same time, they they're rewarded with a massive power spike, and that's that. Yeah, that's that's the core of the auto chess formula. Obviously, and we've said this a billion times, they need to put more heroes in. I'm still like knights is still really strong. Uh, Primordials was strong as fuck for the last week or so. Uh, you would literally see everyone pick up a tiny or a razor in the first round. Razor is now a one one gold piece. But Tiny or Razor were everywhere, like everywhere. And the reason for that is the Primordials disarm uh, at random, random low chance to disarm. And with four of them, you've got a, like all allies, random disarm, which winds up being this massive buff. And it's it doesn't feel good either. It's not a good feeling uh, style of play because you just watch your team stand there doing nothing when they're disarming. They're not like, hitting and doing nothing they're literally not attacking uh and it's not good because that means they're not building mana they're not moving in, into better positions they just stand there and uh yeah you, you literally there are games where you'll just watch your team fucking die and it sucks uh so they yeah they've got to do something about that absolutely uh and i believe they are already i mean they've done something about arc warden uh arc warden was the key key piece of the primordial meta that was making it really goofy uh it's not a high win percentage but it is like hyper unsatisfying to win against it reminds me a lot of some of the old school like hearthstone metas uh, i can't immediately think of any in particular uh the, the one i'm thinking of uh is is was that groom groom patron holy shit remember like i don't know you might may not have played Hearthstone very much, but back in the day, you'd basically you'd have this situation where Grim Patron uh, was being repeatedly summoned over and over and over again, and he would just he'd play his fucking voice line every time, get in here, and then it, there he'd be, like there's another one and another one and another one, and uh, anytime he took damage, he'd summon a clone of himself. And you had these fucking boards of just grim patrons who were self-replicating, who were like it's some sort of fucking sci-fi fucking nightmare of these fucking stupid dwarf cockheads who were just constantly asking for other people to get in here. And then once they had a board full of fucking three three ones usually, uh, they just murder you and buy my birdie. Uh, it was very unsatisfying to play against because A, it took ages. B, you had to mute your game so that you didn't have to hear fucking get in here. And C, uh, it's not active. There's nothing you can do. Once they pull the trigger, uh, it's sort of over for you. And I, it's one of the things that I've complained about a lot in Hearthstone. There are a lot of those wombo combo plays where you know like the fucking two-turn mage right like there's nothing satisfying about watching someone put together the pieces of their quest while you can't do anything about it that's not engaging gameplay uh obviously it's engaging for them to have 
you know, put the deck together and there is an element of, of like risk in whether or not they're actually going to get the pieces they require, uh, you know, the, the cards to turn up. And that's why it's not, you know, a super high percentage win rate. And that's why, and so you won't see it in esports, but it doesn't matter because you're not playing an esport. You're playing a fucking card game. You're playing fucking Underlords. And so having it happen to you is goofy as fuck. On the other hand, I've been on that fucking Ark Warden deck for years, right? So, like, since day dot, I've been about the Ark Warden. So I feel like, once again, they're directly targeting old Jobo by nerfing Ark Warden. Because uh, he's my boy. He just, like, fucking shows up, and then another one shows up, and another one, and another one, and another one. And you're like, yeah, boy! Um, the real problem with Ark Warden was that uh, people were doing, like, 170 damage. He does... A hero's worth of damage so you don't even need the fucking as a global loot item where all ads do additional damage as well uh which is very similar like in the tradition in the original auto chess ads do damage uh so you would if you really wanted to fuck people you'd go venomanta and uh like lichen uh, and you'd spawn all these fucking walls and all these little fucking things and people would just be wearing shit tons of damage. It doesn't happen like that in Underlords. Ads traditionally don't do damage unless you have the global item that causes them to do it. Which means that, uh, like, basically, uh, having a hero self-replicate and then do hero-level damage every single fucking time uh, uh, makes Ark Warden into that much bigger a, a pain. Because suddenly, yeah, it's just fuck tons of damage and you just watch yourself get fucked. On the flip side, I was playing t directly towards that playstyle basically every time. Because I find it unbelievably amusing to be on one side of that transaction. I don't want to be on the other side of that transaction. But on one side of that transaction, that is a fucking hilarious fucking scenario. And I absolutely want to see it. Uh, anyway, so they've apparently nerfed Ark Warden. And it's got to be a good thing, right? It has to be. Uh, but it's not going to be enough until they actually add in another fucking bunch of characters. And they need to do a bunch at once. They can't just add one character in. It can't be just like the single fucking addition. They can't dribble this shit out. They've got to do like three or four all at once to really shake up the meta and find out how it's going to shake down. Because they don't have the luxury of time to dribble shit out, right? They are they are up against teamfight tactics, which isn't bound by iOS's idiotic fucking plan to force people to fucking verify that the biggest fucking game company in the world isn't going to fuck a fucking phone update with their updates or some shit, even though they're the biggest games company in the world with the biggest fucking store. It's cooked. Uh, yeah. Teamfight Tactics doesn't have that problem, so they're able to fucking roll shit out constantly. I would be playing way more Teamfight Tactics, except for the yeah the fact that it's not on mobile. So I don't feel like the problem is right. I think I've briefly spoken about this before, but you've only I've like I consider myself to be a reasonably smart guy, but I only have so much mental capacity to concentrate on you know a billion different nearly identical fucking metas. It's very difficult. I will talk about it in another game. 
where it has definitely fucked me up a bit. Uh, but like, it's a challenge, right? Like, there's not, there's no question that it's a challenge to uh, like to recall the meta required to win at Teamfight Tactics and not confuse it with the meta required to win at Underlords and not also confuse that with the meta required to win at Auto Chess. Here comes the planes, baby. Uh, you thought there weren't going to be planes just as a solo cast? No, they're coming. Um, yeah, like, I, I only have so much mental bandwidth, basically. I'm the fucking... I, sadly, I wish I was Korean internet, but I am the NBN of people. Uh, and, yeah, I can't, I can't just... don't have enough bandwidth. I need some sort of Netflix tax to, to keep me going. Uh, so I have to, yeah... Push away some things. Also, how cooked is the idea of a Netflix tax in Australia by the NBN? I I actually might riot in the streets about this. I like think we as Australians have a bit of a apathy problem in general. It's very easy to be all like, eh, whatever, mate. You know? Um, about a lot of stuff. And there is a lot of stuff that we shouldn't be apathetic about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if they specifically and deliberately fuck the MBN to death and then make us pay more to get what we should have had in the first place, I don't know. I, uh, I'm not saying we should absolutely string some people up, but, um, anyway, uh, Underlords, I'm still playing, I'm still enjoying it, but yeah, they desperately need to add some some new characters uh just to just to keep things fresh i'm not sure what's going on in this week's patch and like i said before i'm i'm loaded to loaded to have a look but maybe we can have a quick cheeky peek what steam got going for us it's being very annoying come on let's go um yeah no oof um yesterday a gameplay update we found the code that crashes uh, causes crashes. Ah, and they told it to behave. Oh, another one. Nice. Um, yeah, so they changed Arc Warden, Clockwork, changed the font of creation to be a little less annoying. That's a bummer, because the font made Primordials into the dumbest fucking thing of all time. And they changed Primordials in general. Enemies attacking Primordial units have a 25% chance to have their attack speed slowed by 50 each attack. That's actually fucking awesome. Uh, level 2 enemies attacking friendly units. Yes, that's the same. That's fucking... That's such a good idea. Really good idea um, to, to fix Primordials. Um, so, basically, instead of being disarmed, you'll now attack slower, which means you can still generate mana and you can still do positioning. You'll just eventually slow down to zero, which is good, right? Uh, that's objectively better. Um, and they changed to Ark Warden. Ark Warden creates a copy of himself with the same health he currently has. Clone of Clone can use... Um, Ark Warden's current items and will attempt to attack the same enemy as his summoner. Whenever this clone dies, Ark Warden will create a new one. So he can only create one clone of himself. Uh, and I don't know if the clones can create clones. 
Uh, it doesn't say that they can create clones. It's called Tempest Double. Um, yeah, he's been slowed as well. Weird. Uh, and he's he's now more exp expensive. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, that's pretty good. Um, that's a that's a good good patch. But yeah, uh, you still need like there's still a, a little bit of. It doesn't look like they did anything to Venomancer. Venomancer is still super powerful if people get the fucking um, global that does extra damage. Three star Venomancer is super easy to get. Uh, it's a gold. It's a one gold hero and uh yeah it, it fucking hammers it drops so many fucking units it's very difficult to to deal with so yeah uh and i don't see anything about yeah i don't see anything about them uh changing those fucking electric fucking triceratops Fucking Triceratops were fucking hammering. But uh, I can't see anything about them. Um, anyway, good stuff. Uh, I will continue to play it. Uh, it's going to continue to be my uh, time-killing game, um, especially on my phone. I love being able to pause the game. Like, it's the best way to play it. I sometimes want to see a play out, and I will play it out while I'm on the toilet, but sometimes I don't have 40 minutes to spend on the toilet, so I just kick it off, move on, uh, which is always good. Um, yep, that's about it. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, let's talk about the Blackout Club. So the Blackout Club is a new game uh, that is releasing, I believe, this week. Let's have a quick squeeze. Uh, out of Early Access... Ah, starter next week. Starter next week. Uh, and it is a cooperative stealth type game. Um, four players. You're these teenagers. You go into this town. I sort of talked about it last week a little bit. Uh, but I only played it solo. I've played it multiplayer now. i played it with Luke and Nate. And uh, it is weird. It's a bit of a... bit of a two-speed game. Uh, where sort of reminds me of no i don't know what it reminds me of it's it's like there's something vaguely similar in the back of my mind that it reminds me of uh, but i can't recall immediately what it is it's this game where you're like you're going into a, a suburb and completing these objectives so in that sense it's similar to dead by daylight where there's four of you there's a something horrible nearby and you're trying to complete objectives but instead of sort of like there's the reminds me in that sense of the um halloween uh no sorry friday the 13th um level of um is it halloween or friday i don't know whichever one uh the the level the suburb style level of uh Dead by Daylight, but you're not getting generators. There's not four generators. You can play against a human like uh, monster, but generally you're not. And uh, like not at our low level anyway. I think you have to be level five before you start going into versus matches or whatever it is. Uh, and then, yeah, from there, you sort of 
uh, I guess duking it out with uh, AI against AI. And yeah, it's not generators. What you're trying to do is is different each time. It might be the first time I played, I had to sneak in and get evidence of a break-in. And so I had to press right mouse button to take some photos of uh, of the break-in. And then I'd sneak out again. And it was freaky, but it wasn't anything too risky. Second time we played, we had to break into this house and uh, we didn't have the tools. It was just me and Luke at the time and that Nate joined the mission halfway through and uh, we didn't have the, the tools we needed. And so we couldn't get into this house. We couldn't find a lock pick. None of this was explained in the tutorial. We did the tutorials, but we didn't really have a fucking good grasp on. Like that sort of is like this narrative based uh like lengthy mission explaining how to fucking sneak right like i don't need an explanation of how to sneak show me exactly the variety of fucking boxes i'm going to come up against where i'm going to find shit show me how i would do the first fucking level in your crazy fucking game in my first attempt the evidence i had to get i just climbed up in through a window right there was an open window in the second attempt there's no open window all the doors are locked and we're sort of fucking stuck on the outside, like with no fucking clue what we're supposed to do. Uh, we try to we we try to get in. Uh, we know we like it's like you need a lockpick or you can kick the door open. We must have searched for a lockpick for so fucking long, and the longer you spend, uh, the more likely it is that the shape or like the fucking bad thing is going to get you right. Like the longer you spend in a level, the more likely the the evil monster is going to come there's other ai that are wandering around the whole time as well they, they'll do damage if they like notice you it's just like the longer you spend the higher the risk factor the more your risk like grows and it gets harder and harder and harder and we're just at a fucking loss until i'm like fuck it i'm just gonna kick this fucking door in so i kicked the door in everything went to shit from there like it was just fucking full-blown oh we're cooked now uh yeah like that kind of shit um the monster arrived immediately started chasing me immediately so did a bunch of other ai luke's running around trying to get the fucking stuff we need from out of the house uh he does it and then there's another fucking like stage another step to this fucking mission so like we're not even finished yet. We have to continue through this fucking crazy nightmare where now everything's like we're operating at a fucking eleven, uh, and yeah, we we still have very little idea of what we're supposed to be fucking doing. Because yeah, my first, I gotta I gotta give you some context of how fucking easy this first level for me was. I came out of like the spawn area. The house I had to go to was the first house I encountered. There was a window open. There was only one person inside. I crawled around a little bit to find the fucking evidence. Took photos and then I left. It was done inside of fucking four minutes. Like, over and done. I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, the the, the evil, super bad monster wasn't even a fucking factor, right? Second level, and it's like a completely different game. Obviously... It's the luck of the draw, right? Like, this is... It's randomly generated. The the missions are randomly generated. I think they're sort of staggered. The amount of, like, phases you have to go through is staggered based on how deep you've gone. But 
Yeah, it's, it was hectic. The fucking, the super bad, the big bad monster showed up. It fucked me up. Um, Nate rescued me. He got caught. Luke rescued Nate. Luke got caught. I rescued Luke and then like just barely managed to get away because Nate managed to distract the thing in time. Like we're fucking kiting this thing all over the place, still trying to complete the second fucking objective, uh, which requires to go into the underground area. And yeah, we've got no, like there's a fucking camera. We're lighting it up, like getting triggered, triggering the fucking camera and still trying to find this stupid fucking thing we need to find. This bit of evidence in a box somewhere. There's like, it's in one of four fucking boxes. There's like bad dudes down the bottom. They wake up after a little bit. Like nothing stays dead for long enough. You can't kill the big bad. We're just like getting cooked. We're getting super fucking fucked. And uh, we managed to get out. Hairiest shit ever. We finished that shit. We're like, all right, we're going again. Uh, I had, I was supposed to go have dinner. We're all like, um, I'm going again. We're going again. Let's go. Let's go. Straight back in. Next mission. We snuck through it without kicking any shit open. And it was over in like three minutes again. It had an extra phase to it, but it didn't matter. We just fucking knocked it out of the park. We're just like, clock. And uh, yeah, on we go. On to the next one. Easy peasy. Um, it was like such a wacky fucking gear change. Like after that one, I went and had dinner, came back and I'm like, are we going to play some more? And we did. And it was another fucking hyper dull fucking do nothing fest where it's like, I don't understand. Like how, how does this game work? Like the difference the re- like, as we finished missions, we leveled up and we got more equipment. Now I start a game with the lockpick and I start with the bandage, stuff like that, uh, which means that, like, the specific set of problems that made the second le- the second time I played so complex is no longer a factor because we've sort of sold it through the game itself. But, like, at some, some level, doesn't it seem like it's, sh- like the game itself should ramp up in complexity. Maybe I have to fucking, I don't know, like find a combination on a door lock or something like something to force me to, uh, explore. Cause as it is now, yeah, we just roll up, we unlock the door, we go in, we do our objectives and then Bob's your uncle. We move on to the fucking next challenge, I guess. Like, and the next challenge is invariably as easy uh, because if you don't get seen, if you play it quite, like, very stealthily, like, you can even fuck about a bit, right? Like, we were literally tricking each other into fucking dangerous situations, uh, just to keep things interesting by the end of it. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's such an odd one. Because, yeah, it's not supposed to be, like, Dead by Daylight, as far as I can tell. I mean, maybe we've outskilled it really quickly and we should just like move on to the versus mode maybe it would be actually probably would be a lot more interesting a lot more like fun if we were in versus mode with a a human big bad monster constantly chasing us i I think that would probably be pretty interesting uh and it would force us to act a little bit different but while we're just, while it's just three very experienced gamers exploiting the fuck out of some wonky stealth AI, it's, yeah, it's not that good, uh, which was a bit disappointing. Um, I'm not like super 
inclined to continue to play it either, which is a bad thing. Um, I don't like if if like four if there were three other people and they pitched playing it, I would probably jump in to play with the four stack. I'd probably have a lot of fun, but. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to play it. Not when there's so much else going on. Not when there's so many other games available. Which is a bit of a... Yeah. bit of a disappointment. I did want to... I love... I love co-op horror. It's one of, like, it's one of my favourite things. So I was really interested to see how it would play out. But... Um, yeah, I guess it's just not... This version of it is not really for me. Yeah. Um, so that is... The Blackout Club. Okay. What else will be yours? Uh, oh, fuck. Here it is. I lost my thing. Um, all right. Let's go with Tetris Effect. Tetris Effect came out on the Epic Game Store. It came out on PlayStation ages ago. It came out on the um, Epic Game Store early this week. Uh, and, uh, I think it's like 35 bucks. Uh, I got it because everyone raved about Tetris effects when it was out on PlayStation. I don't have a PlayStation VR, so, uh, I couldn't play it, but I was always very jelly. Uh, you know, that FOMO situation, uh, people raved about the fucking experience and I didn't really, I couldn't mentally see it, but I read the reviews and they all described it. Uh, as this extremely zen, extremely moving experience. Um, and someone, I'm not sure who, I can't quite remember who, but someone described it uh, similar to Luminous, which was a PSP game from back in the day. This uh, very Tetris-style game uh, that used color and uh, effects, like particle effects, to wildly change the way you played it and it was also the other thing about it was that you had to play it with headphones like you didn't specifically it wasn't like specific must play with headphones but like you were missing out if you weren't playing with headphones because so much of the experience came from the headphone like from the sound in it because you weren't just like there was a killer soundtrack it was like a very chill uh sort of electronic, uh, lo-fi hip hop beat style, um, jam in the background while you were doing your Tetris style things. But at the same time, like actions you made added sound effects. And so you were impacting the soundtrack as you played, which was, uh, like made you want to play in a different way. That was the most efficient way to play. Uh, and then there was, if you were playing with sound, there was the most aesthetically pleasing way to play. And it's such an interesting uh, way to force someone out of their efficiency. And I think that experience plays, uh, it, it, this This is absolutely an effect in Tetris effect. Um, the, the same thing is happening uh, where you're playing with sound and you get really roped into the idea of playing to the music itself as opposed to necessarily um, playing the most efficient style. And if you're a, a very competent player, uh, then playing efficient Tetris can sort of be um, 
not necessarily rotes. It's not like solved, but it can be very automatic. It's not, it doesn't require any thought necessarily. But if you add in an extra element, like trying to play along to the music, suddenly there's a little bit, there's a, a subtle amount of challenge there. And Tetris is already quite challenging, like by default. There's no question about that, right? Like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the fucking greatest Tetris of all Tetrises. But, like, at its, at its, if you've played enough of it, and I've certainly played enough Tetris over my years, uh, then you know, you sort of know what you need to know. Like, you know everything you need to know already. There's not a curveball that it can really throw. You know the fucking brick shapes. You know the generally efficient way to stack them. You know how to build towards a Tetris itself. And the real challenge is that like keeping your attention locked in on the game for long enough. I mean, there's a reason why competitive Tetris doesn't start at fucking level one, you know? Because it's just dull for players who are used to playing at level 300 type shit, you know? Like, there's... There's a level. There's a reason why there are Tetris variants where you don't get to see where the blocks are until like it's like at the top of the screen and at the bottom of the screen and everything in between. You don't get to see where they are. You just have to fucking nail it, right? There's a reason for that. It's because ultimately, if you're the most efficient Tetris player, then yeah, you like you're not going to get much out of it, but. By adding an aesthetic element that is uh, pleasing, as a as a, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's it's not even like a direct challenge. It's indirect challenge for you to participate in, right? Like you're not you're not trying to play along to the music for extra points or anything. You're trying to play along to the music because it's enjoyable, right? And at the start of Tetris Effect, the game is quite slow and it doesn't really matter. What's cool is that by playing along with the music, I made a couple of goofs and so I wasn't playing the most efficient Tetris. And what that resulted in was me having to fix some mistakes. You know, I would have to build my fucking towers up so that I'd be able to efficiently wean them back down again in a way that would like sort of maximize my own personal Tetris style goals and also uh, maximize my points because you want, you know, Tetris, a Tetris. Tetris is when you get four rows at the same time. Just FYI, in case you didn't know. Uh, yeah, Tetris is four rows on on the, like, getting clearing four rows at the same time is called a Tetris, right? And they're worth the most points. Uh, clearing one row at a time is the least efficient way to do anything. Uh, so you don't want to do that, right? But if you fucked up and put like one of those fucking uh, S-shaped locks in the wrong spot and you've got like little fucking vacant squares in the middle of fucking nowhere, then you kind of have to do it. You kind of have to suck it up or you can build towards a Tetris until you get the Tetris uh, that you require. I'm saying Tetris too much. It's, not, it's lost all meaning. Um no, you can build towards the, the Tetris you require by adding an extra three layers, and that, but then you have to do it again because you've got two vacant blocks that are 
like not adjacent, right? So you, that's that's the that's the you know the trick there, right? And by playing along to the music, I found myself in that situation quite a few times. And then I would focus in, I would play efficient Tetris, I'd get the Tetris, and then I'd go back to playing along to the music and taking in the other thing that's happening while you're playing in VR. So you can play this not in VR if you want, but I don't know. I don't know that you necessarily would because it's a very fucking, it's a confronting experience if you play it in VR. It is fucking everywhere. The Tetris board itself is only in the one location, but it's sort of the rest of what's going on sort of builds out around it. There's, uh, yeah, like the first level is sort of underwater and it starts out pretty tame and then it like explodes and it's like, this sea of fucking manta rays and they're doing manta ray things. Which was nice for me. I think I spoke about how I swam with manta rays. So it was like reminiscent to my holiday a couple of months ago. Months? A month? I don't know. A little while ago. Like, yeah, there was like, you know, that was nice. And then a whale explodes further. And there's whales and like, it's just fucking, it's growing at all times and you're like holy shit i don't know where this is going to go next and then transitions you to the next level it is super luminous right like ultra luminous if you enjoyed luminous you'll get a lot out of it i don't think that playing it outside of vr would detract from it greatly but playing it in vr amplifies everything makes everything so much more immersive uh when i was first loading it up i had a lot of troubles epic game store uh, because I've got a Vive, uh, it's only it's exclusive to the Epic Game Store, but I still need Steam installed to play it, which is amusing. But uh, it makes sense because Steam VR is how my Steam VR system works, right? That makes sense. That that has an internal logic to it. But the other thing that was happening was that uh, it wouldn't recognize that my Steam VR program was on, so it wouldn't launch in VR until I specifically went through a bunch of fucking options to trigger it, which was annoying as fuck. Because uh, it is primarily a VR game, right? But it just wouldn't want, didn't want to fucking do it. It was driving me bonkers. Anyway, eventually, uh, by now, they've I think they must have patched the Epic Game Store. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they've done. But basically, they've made some changes. And it's a much more streamlined process now. Uh, it can't launch Steam VR for you. But as far as I can tell, not a single one of my games... Like, if I launch Superhot VR and I haven't already launched Steam VR... Nine out of ten times, super hot VR will fucking crash anyway. So I'm not holding Tetris Effect to like. I don't think Tetris Effect is responsible for fixing something that I believe is very much a Steam or Steam VR problem. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, you can yeah you can play without VR. I don't know though I would. Uh, at thirty five bucks, uh, I'm getting a lot out of it. My wife is absolutely going to get a lot out of it, but I haven't let her play it yet. Because uh, I'm still playing it. And um, yeah, it is like one of the most visually impacting experiences I've had on VR in a long time. It makes me wonder if I should check out some of the other VR games that people like raved about. There were a couple. They're usually, interestingly, music related. Um, I can't remember. It was like one from the dude who made that fucking draft game. This is going to be fucking meaningless to anyone who has no idea what I'm talking about, but... Some giraffe game. Uh, I can't even remember what the giraffe game's called. Uh, it's all... It's on the fucking... Oh, 
it's right there for me, but I can't fucking remember. Anyway, um, yeah, apparently, like, I mean, if I think about the ones that have had the most impact on me, it's obviously uh, Super Hot VR, and the other one is um, Beat Saber. And so I don't think Super Hot VR is very music based, but uh, um, Beat Saber absolutely is obviously music based. Uh, and yeah, it seems like. There's a level of, there's an immediate simplicity to the, the control scheme, right? Um, but there is complexity in the gameplay. Um, so it's simple enough mechanically, but uh, the complexity comes from other elements uh, that might not be directly related like if it was just a game about swiping some stuff i think it'd be pretty easy but once you add music into it i think it uh adds a wrinkle for a lot of people i know it adds a wrinkle for me i don't know i think it's interesting you know touch effect is fucking awesome uh, i'm well about it i'm glad that it's working a lot better on fucking epic game store than it was uh and yeah uh if, if you've got the capacity playing in vr absolutely check it out if you uh have a psvr uh apparently yeah you probably get it cheaper than i had to pay for it but uh yeah hunt it down um okay now what do we got wolfenstein young blood don't reach young blood um wolfenstein young blood is the co-op uh spin-off of the wolfenstein series the wolfenstein reboot series at least uh, starring the Blaskowitz twins. Um, so these are the daughters of BJ Blaskowitz, and uh, that's Jess and Soph. Um, I guess Jesse and Sophie, but who needs? It's not. It's un-Australian, is what it is. You know, it's very Australian to just chuck a fucking e on the end. Take from me, Joby. Uh, I don't know, and then there's Lukey, Natey, um, all, all your pals, JB, no, that doesn't count, uh, Drewy, no, that's dumb, uh, Clebby, Clebby works, Clebby's pretty good, yeah, that works, uh, yeah, like all, all the lads, Bazzy, Bazzy's dumb, that's, that doesn't work, that's dumb, dumb, Dang, Dangy, Dangy, I like Dangy, Krusty, yeah, look, there's a lot of fucking good nicknames that have one E on the end, but apparently Sophie and Jesse, the, the Blaskowitz twins, are not about that life. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, they get into some mischief, basically. It's a co op um, Nazi shooter, basically, where you and a partner are going around blasting Nazis. Um, it's very cop. Uh, it's ex like it's. It leans heavily into the idea that you absolutely need to be playing with someone who is playing with you. Um, there's a lot of stuff that requires you to like press, like activate something, and while you're activating that, you're transmitting the info that the other person requires. Uh, stuff like that. Um, I'm. Actually, I was the activatee in every single instance. So I'm not sure if you need to directly transmit that information, but uh, at the very least, I had to um, 
transmit it to us, my brother. I was playing it. So playing on Blasquist twins, twins, and I am a twin in real life, and I was playing with my twin brother. And let me tell you, it did not make things any easier. I thought actually being like being that we were twins, playing as twins. I mean, I don't think there have been many games about twins. It's it's weird, even though in some cultures we are revered as gods, and in others as devils uh yeah there, there isn't much fascination with the concept of the twin anymore i guess we're not that fucking unique anymore there's an octomom and shit it's fine i'm not fucking bitter um yeah anyway being a twin didn't help at all but i'll tell you what didn't what the real issue i think uh with the the real spanner in the works was that uh we had a lot of trouble <laughs> like a lot of trouble uh, with lag in this, uh, for some reason, I couldn't see him for the longest time, he couldn't see me for the longest time, so we couldn't play together in that sense, uh, in, in the invite screen, like, we couldn't even fucking invite each other, we had to, like, restart a bunch of times, and even after we'd done that, like, I killed Steam, reopened Steam, uh, made sure I was, you know, online, he was online, etc, etc, once we'd done all that, uh, then... Uh, we were able to see each other. Well, he was able to see me and invite me, invited me to his game. He was the host. And I reckon I was playing with about, uh, 350 ping. Um, I have no idea. I couldn't find my networking details, but good Lord, it was weird. I would shoot and honest to God, it was exactly like playing fucking back in the day. Like, Back in the old 1999 days, dialing into fucking, dialing into someone else's computer, playing with them being a host. It was exactly like that. We both got good internet, so it shouldn't have been playing like that, which is weird. I am going to play with Nate a little bit later. Him and me are probably going to fucking uh, pound through all of it because my wife is out of town uh, for the weekend. So I've got big plans to get hammered and play video games. Um... So yeah, we're probably going to smash through a fuck ton of it. Um, I will be very interested to see if it's still got networking problems at that point as well. I very much hope it doesn't. I mean, that, that wouldn't be a good thing. Um, it shouldn't have had network problems as it was. So it's it's, it's hard. Like, I, I we investigated whether or not there was some sort of networking interference, but uh, I don't have, like, we, we didn't. We've both got good connections to other games and stuff. So it shouldn't have been going down the, the way it did. Uh, and yet, there we were. Um, the real thing about it was that once I got used to it, it didn't matter so much anymore. Which I know is... It's a bit weird, right? Like, um, you don't want that out of... It plays, you know, it feels like a single-player style game. Uh, I cannot imagine ever playing a game, a single player game where I had a fucking 300 ping the whole time. Uh, like I can imagine playing a level like it. Like if I was some sort of fucking, if I was like inhabiting a robot, right? Narratively speaking, if the game had me na like inhabiting a robot and, uh, having to, um, control the robot and then there was some sort of network interference. So for one level I had like a, 300 ping uh or you know that's just how they narratively 
explained it. And so there was a 0.3 second delay. And so everything I did would be that much slower on the robot uh, or it only see its impact that much later on the robot. It would be, um, I think, an interesting experience, uh, but I wouldn't want to play an entire game like that. And it would only make me appreciate the times when I didn't have any fucking ping that much more, uh, which I'll also talk about a bit more. But that said, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it didn't take me that long to get used to it anyway. Like, I just sort of got accustomed to it. Once I stopped getting upset with... Because I was, uh, the the twins have disparate uh, abilities. One has the ability to, like, smash things. Another one has the ability to stealth through things. And once I got over the fact that, um, so I was the stealth one. Once I got over the fact that I wasn't stealthing very well, because uh, it's hard to stealth. Like, it's hard to make these precision fucking hatchet throws from a stealth position uh, when people are no longer where you threw your hatchet and then you alert them because you missed. That's very tricky. And it's hard to do the, we were doing like uh ghost recon style. Okay. You take the one on the left. I'll take the one on the right. And then one, two, three fire. And then I'd fire on my screen. I'd press the button uh, and I'd watch the other person die. And then like 0.3 of a second later, uh, the other one would die, but they'd turned around, and so I wouldn't get the stealth bonus for the kill or whatever, and I'd have to shoot him again. Uh, once I got over that, then just started fucking pounding bullets into cunts anytime I saw him. Right? Actually, turned into something that I really enjoyed. I didn't care too much for the storytelling, um, but I, I haven't actually cared too much for the storytelling in the Wolfenstein games in general. They've always been uh, too camp for me, and I think. I don't think there's any, like, as a series, Wolfenstein 3D or Wolfenstein has always been quite goofy, you know, like, there's, it's the only way to, you know, hand wave away the concept of Mecha Hitler, but nevertheless, uh, I, I feel like they go, I don't know, just in a direction that I'm not a huge fan of, that sort of deliberate schlocky B-movie stuff, um, I don't know, I, I think... Personally, I don't necessarily go in for deliberately schlocky B-movie stuff. I think the whole thing, like, it's sort of, I know it's not, right? And yet, it feels like a lot of effort to make it seem like you didn't put in a lot of effort, right? Like, yeah. Actually, the more I think about it, I think that that's exactly what my problem with it is. Like, it's a lot of fucking... A lot to go through to get to a point where you can be like, yeah, well, you know, but it's a B movie, right? Like, as if that's some sort of defense against criticism. When, like, the amount of effort put in shows that you probably could have made something really, like, truly entertaining. Uh, but instead, you sort of lean on schlock. Uh, I guess it might also be a bit of the old... Uh, humor snob in me, right? Like, and I know B movie isn't necessarily a style of humor, but it is sort of. Uh, it makes me think of you know my problems with reference humor as a critical, uh, like a 
primary goal for humor. You know, reference humor, I think, is great when it's being used as a pathway to other humor. Uh, like when <laughs> when Michael Scott on The Office does impressions and he's deliberately doing terrible impressions of, like, funny things. If he's doing, like, Borat, right? The reference to Borat isn't funny, but it is used as a shortcut to something funny. And I find that too often uh, people just use the reference as the entire humor. I think Family Guy is super, super fucking uh, guilty of this. Uh, that's why I've stopped watching like that and American Dad. I mean, fucking, what's his name? The fucking alien, uh, Alfred or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, I, 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 Obert? No, it's not Obert. Uh, Oscar? Maybe? Oscar? I'm gonna go with Oscar. Um, yeah, like, Oscar is basically just, oh, look, now I'm dressed as this. Oh, now I'm dressed as this. Isn't that funny? Oh, so weird that I'm dressed as this. That's his entire fucking gag, right? Like, too often, he's just not, not funny at all. Uh, yeah, like, it's just, ugh. I don't have any fucking time for it. Anyway, to bring this back to fucking B-grade schlock shit, right? The whole fucking concept of something like, oh, but it's B-grade, so that's funny, you know? Like, that's why I didn't go for, what was the fucking Nazis on the moon one? Uh, I don't know. It just didn't, I just found it unbelievably boring um, because it seemed like every time it was about to go somewhere narratively interesting it would just lean back on that crutch of being schlocky and yeah i don't know it just uh i know we're not supposed to like actually you know what fuck it i'm gonna address this as well the concept of lazy uh, right, the idea. Oh, you know this this lazy writing, right? And the idea that there's no no lazy writer, right? No no lazy writer has ever had a fucking movie published, right? Because it's fucking impossible, right? Who lazily writes 120 words, right? But it's not referencing the concept of actual. It's not referencing. It's not referring to the fucking function of being lazy. It's not referring to the function of preferring to do nothing. It is referring to the function of sloppiness, right? There are always easy ways, right? You you could you could say uh, that making a pizza by cracking out a fucking frozen pizza that's lazy pizza making, right? And if you're just fucking if you've just had one too many fucking chocolate malt whiskeys then nobody's going to criticize you for your lazy pizza making skills. But if you happen to work at a fucking pizzeria, then people might consider that to be lazy. Uh, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to the concept of using shortcuts uh, instead of, um, you know, uh, complex and detailed and uh, well thought out processes to arrive at the same conclusions 
because what you wind up with uh, in, in the case of lazy writing is invariably uh, more or like less dimensional characters, more stereotypes, more cliches, which is never good, right? Obviously, you, you want less cliches because it keeps you engaged more. Uh, I would say that me deliberately going off on a tangent is lazy podcasting, right? Oh, Joe's, oh, Joe needs to fill out a bit of extra time, better fucking go on a bit of a rant about something he isn't fucking talking about, like lazy screenwriting. Good one, Job. Fucking spanner. But it's too late. We're already through it, so we're moving on to the next bit. Uh, I said, yeah, Youngbloods, I, I don't care for the story. I haven't cared for the story in any of the, the Wolfensteins, but I do really like the fucking gameplay. Um, and that is, that's at 300 ping and all. I had so much fucking fun playing it. Um, I only played it for, what does it reckon? 69 minutes. Nice. Uh, I've only played for 69 minutes, uh, but I have beat the first boss. Uh, we got up to, I thought the second boss, but, uh, then the second boss got crushed by something out of nowhere. So, uh, that was a good rope dope a good Soir. and uh yeah instead what i got was this experience of these super open super fucking uh experimental levels where you're able to fucking go looking for like just a shit ton of different things you like it starts off very corridor based like literally corridor based and then like it spreads out super rapidly and it feels really good to just sort of take different paths. There's no reason why I have to take the same path as my brother or sister in this case. Uh, like I can go left and he can go, he, she, they can go right. And yeah, that's it. Right. We just do our own thing. And it actually winds up being quite efficient if we're not necessarily like with each other, right? Like if we're doing different things, uh, we're like clearing out shit a lot faster. We're making sure like, we can get rid of the commandant who who would normally start the alarm. We can get rid of them on our own, and then they can maybe take out some of the super soldiers. And like we can knock shit out a lot quicker uh, by splitting up, and then we can come back together when one of one of us needs a fucking hand. And it feels really like clever in the way that it incentivizes that kind of shit. Or we, you know, there are crates you can find that require two people to open them. There are gates you can find that require two people to open them. Uh, there's instance loot. So if I open a, uh, a crate that, um, isn't a shared crate, uh, I can tell the other player about it and they can come get it or not up to them. Um, there's, yeah, it feels like there's a lot to get out of a play session with a buddy, which is fucking awesome. I think it's a really clever way to go about it because it could have just sort of felt like, you know, two people in a, in the sharing the same space. Right. Uh, and it probably would have been pretty satisfying to play because I think that Wolfenstein, like, uh, a lot of the id shooters, uh, you know, Rage had really good shooting. Um, this has really good shooting. Wolfenstein 2 had good shooting. Doom obviously had great shooting. Like, they've got a really good shooting mechanic. And I think doing shooting with a friend at the same time would feel fucking cool. Uh, but by 
really focusing on implementing the co-op, I think they've like created something that's actually quite compelling to play. Don't hold me to this yet, but it also feels like there is quite a bit of replayability in this. Uh, there's there's a bunch of levels like there's a leveling system it starts out pretty annoying because it's just it sort of just looks like a bunch of shit you've got no hope of unlocking but you turn it it turns out you get like level up really quick you get a lot of levels you can really customize what you do um i as the stealth person insisted on getting the ability to stealth kill super soldiers uh liam picked up the ability to dual wield and uh yeah like that that felt really fucking cool uh it felt really good to fucking hammer shit in that fashion like just fucking uh do i i was doing my own thing i was still it was tricky but i still had to stealth a bunch of shit uh with my upgraded stealth he was like running around guns blazing knocking in a fucks and like yeah really ripping shit up like we had completely different play styles and it still worked because of the way the levels were created um, to sort of go through it at, at your own pace. And it also feels like if I were to go back, once I leveled up a bit more, go back uh, with some of the, you know, power player, the rip and tear style mechanics, that I would have a different experience, right? And he could go back with the stealth mechanics and play the, the same style of game that I, I just played which would be fucking cool. He was getting upset because I was moving at a pace that he wasn't used to because obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but uh, he is not um, like a huge shooter player. He prefers his weeb games, his RPGs and stuff. Uh, and I obviously am very much a shooter player and I'm also very fast-paced about it. But once he got the dual wielding, uh, if... if I think for him, it felt like he was able to keep up, like keep pace a bit more because uh, it incentivized that same play style, like the the very quick play style that I was playing it. Because uh, I was like, for me, it was like like apex moving. I was just fucking running up and sliding and fucking going into stealth and then sneaking up and murdering a cunt. Uh, and he would be like sort of fucking ages behind, like sort of running up and looking looking for loot and stuff like that, which obviously uh, is a fine way to play, but uh, yeah, it's just not how I was doing things. Uh, he got down, he got down a bunch. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to be 100, 99%. I'm going to be 100% honest with you that I'm 99% sure that uh, the lag situation was making it so that I wasn't very heard like i wasn't taking much damage um because he got in the first boss fight i think he got downed like downed uh like seven times and i didn't get downed once i don't know i think i got hit total twice uh it was just not tough uh for me so i i th i'm thinking the lag situation made it quite a bit easier for me but yeah, like I said, don't hold me to it because I don't know fucking idea. Um, I will test it with Nate and hopefully being that we're six blocks away from one another, we'll not have the same fucking ping problems, but we will see. Uh, yeah, what else we got? Um, yeah, the levels are fucking huge. There's a lot to, to find in them. You find these floppy disks, you decode the floppy disks at computers. 
uh, and that gives you like codes to chests and stuff like that. You can unlock a bunch of like cosmetic stuff with these coins and stuff. So it feels like you might be inclined to like farm certain areas over and over to get more coins. I don't know if you'd want to. I don't think that's not really, not really something I go in for, but, uh, I could see people enjoying that. Um, and yeah, where we, where we finished off after our 69 minutes of gameplay, uh, was at a map where we were able to choose where we went next and you would be able to revisit areas afterwards, it said. So it seems like you might be able to go through the same areas from a different angle and stuff like that, uh, like attack things in different ways because you sort of take the subway to different locations throughout the, the game world, uh, which I think is pretty a really interesting sort of way to go about it. You know what the level the level design reminded me a lot of Dishonored uh, because you've also got a significant amount of verticality. You've got like a uh, I think they called it a power jump, but it's just double jumping. Um, and yeah, you can get up to some pretty interesting places using the double jump uh, and find some like different shit that you know you might normally miss if you weren't specifically looking for it. And so it really feels like it rewards that sort of. Um, that sort of exploration and there's a little bit of like jumping puzzle in there as well like we encountered it in the first uh like real uh, like real close to the start i love jumping puzzles in first person i don't know what it is as long as the ledge grab mechanics work well i always feel like it, it's such an interesting way to break things up uh so yeah they did a really good job with that shit um, for some reason, I'm not sure why, but your default helmet makes you look up like pyramid head, which is pretty freaky deaky. Um, graphics are fine. I don't think they're world beating or anything like that, but they're good enough. Uh, like you can very clearly make out what you're shooting at, uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to blow anyone away. Uh, I don't think Wolfenstein it does that though. I don't think it has ever really blown it away for me it's always been more about uh set design than actual graphical uh impressiveness uh, it's more about the art than the graphics for me in wolfenstein and and similarly in dishonored actually um there's a lot of environmental storytelling um and i think and that's 100 percent the case in young blood it works really well you get a lot out of each area um yeah so i don't know i just had a really good time um i haven't played games with my brother in a long time uh in a while so uh it's good to hang out with him and play games and shoot the shit and whatnot um yeah that's about it young bloods I played the twin game with the twin. Um, so there's that. And the final game on the list is PUBG. Long drink. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think all the alcohol is sunk to the fucking bottom. Oh, good God. PUBG. Uh, there's a lot of layers to this one. So on Wednesday, season four kicked off. And it kicked off with a reworked Erangel, Erangel, I don't know how to say it, Erangel, uh, 
kicked off with a reworked Erangel. So completely redone version of that map, uh, but it brought with it as well um, a brand new matchmaking system that, I don't know, has brought back Australian servers. Essentially, that's it. Yeah, that's roughly it. That's the whole thing. There are Australian servers again. And it's all thanks to Erangel. Um, no. Season 4. Uh, but prior to that, I was playing... I haven't played Apex in a little while. Uh, I've been getting back in, uh, into PUBG. Uh, but I've been playing two different versions of PUBG. Because I've, I've got now I've got a third-person crew. And I've got a first-person crew. And uh, it's such an interesting split. The way the game plays between those two versions is staggering. And I know we've talked about it before because we talked about this game every week for a fucking year, but uh, it's just like wild to go back to it, to, to be reminded of it. First thing, before, before the OCE servers returned and I was still playing on like fucking fucked uh, SEA servers, the first thing I noticed was just how much Apex had ruined my PUBG skills. Had made it really fucking tough for me to actually get anything done in in PUBG. Uh, and I like the moment I realised uh, what exactly was going wrong was when uh, I was I was playing with Zio and Heath and Drew, and I ran around a corner. I think I was the last one alive. I had a vector. And I jumped around the corner and uh, hip fire sprayed at my enemy and uh, then died instantly. Uh, because you can't jump and hip fire. I mean, you, sh you, you can't jump and fire, first of all. And you can't hip fire without holding down the RMB uh, to, to try and get a kill, uh, second of all. And uh, combining the two is a recipe for hitting nothing at all. Nothing at all. Uh, yeah, I didn't hit shit, and I'm like, that would have worked if I had an R99 and we were playing Apex, but that's not what, like, neither of those things are true, so I guess I deserve that death. Um, it was good, it was, it was a high quality moment, uh, so yeah, that was good, um, then, yeah, after that I was playing some, yeah, third person, it is just staggering to me how different it is. You treat every situation so differently in third person. Uh, I, I like, I do think that third person, I do still think the third person is baby mode. In my opinion, it is baby mode. Uh, I'll never fucking get over that concept um, because first person, you are so, so limited and you can get away with so much in third person uh, just by hiding behind a fucking wall and peering out using the third person camera. Uh, I've believed that first person is, is the way to go since the glory days of day Z. Uh, but that said, there is a layer of complexity in a third person that I think I'd never really appreciate. Or I, I give third person the credit that it's due because you have to go into so many more, like in first person, if you look in a window if you look into a town and you don't see anyone in the windows uh, and you just start to run in, that's fine. 
right? If you don't see him in the fucking windows and you've checked your windows properly, then you're not going to get fucking lit up, right? Like, unless you've just got exceptionally poor timing, but even then you can usually work it out. Uh, in third person, if you look in all the windows and then you decide to run in, you are asking to get fucking teed up because everyone is looking at, he's using a third person camera. And so as soon as you're in a clearing, you just, you get fucked. Uh, that's like, that's, that's the crux of that situation. That's the way the game plays out basically is that, yeah, you have to be so much more, so much surer of how you approach every single fucking, uh, new building, every single new fucking situation because someone could be third person peeking the whole fucking time. And it just doesn't work in first person. Obviously first person, you are so much more limited uh, you are not able to see anything on your peripheral. Uh, so it has, you know, the level of complexity there, I think is just by default significantly higher. But I do think that I give third person a little bit of uh, short short shrift uh, as, as baby's first PUBG um, when there is actually some fucking trickiness in there that you have to mentally adjust for. Um, we've been playing with uh, our mate Crimson, and uh, his pitch is whenever because he can't handle first person. It's uh, some sort of like seasickness, motion sickness type shit for him. Uh, he just like loses it anytime he gets in a vehicle. He wants to fucking vom, which is hilarious. Uh, his pitch is that we play third person, we go in first person, and there's no fucking way in hell that I would ever do it because. Good God, you might you might get better, but you are not accounting for the same things that you're accounting for in first person. Just wouldn't fucking it just wouldn't carry. Uh, but I do I actually really like playing both versions. I don't have any particular like I yeah I do prefer first person, but I have like a particular version to playing third person. You know, like if it was up to me, I would play first person all the time. But if I gotta play some fucking third, I'm in. Right? It's just it's generally fun. And ever since the fucking OCE servers are back, it's just generally fun all the time. One thing I've noticed uh, with the third person crew uh, is that they don't rotate correctly. And it, I've been watching the GLL, the Global Loot League. Uh, I was doing, uh, I did an interview with Luke 12 from Athletico. Uh, it's a big interview. It's a really good piece. I think everyone should have a look at it. It's like actually... There's a lot of insight into the general state of esports in Australia, even. So I think, you know, from that perspective, it's worth checking out. But um, it's doing quite well as well. I'm quite popular, which I'm great. Uh, I'm happy for. But um, yeah, like it's, it's worth having a look at from that perspective. But one of the things I noticed significantly, and if you talk, if I, if you talk to the pro players, uh, one of the things that um, certain teams didn't do very well. Uh, is is rotating and I feel like my third person crew doesn't rotate very well at all uh, I know Crimson loves the fucking loot Crimson will loot Crimson would probably be happy to just like loot like never actually see anyone just die in the blue zone to loot just spend the whole fucking game looting die in the blue zone start a new game and loot but uh, the others sort of get it's like I guess he's like a brick around their neck 
dragging. He's a brick and we're drowning slowly. Um, yeah, dragging us down because uh, we can't get away. And what you need to do, specifically what, what NA, what North America did poorly. So North America did worse than the best Australian, best OCE team, and they did worse than the best uh, Latin American team. North America had a awful Global Loot League run. Europe did quite well, being that they won overall, and they also got like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and sixth, I think. And then Latin got seventh, and then NA got eighth. The highest place an NA team, like Cloud9, or Tempo Storm got was fucking eighth. Uh, OCE got second. And actually, crunch the numbers. You can check out the fucking, if you check out the story, you'll see the numbers in there. But um, FaZe Clan, who won it all, uh, they, to get to Global Loot League, they won a league where the loot, the prize pool was $350,000. And Athletico, to get to the same competition, won a league where the prize pool was $15,000. And there's somehow it's witchcraft trying to work out why Australian players aren't interested in playing competitive PUBG at the highest level. I can't imagine why, you know, they wouldn't want to compete for a prize pool that is less than probably what the worst team in the MPL gets, but, uh, oh, sorry, the PEL gets, but yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, what they do is what, what, NA doesn't do is rotate very well. They don't rotate at all, essentially. Uh, and it's something that I've noticed. I noticed even before I was watching the GLL stuff is that we weren't rotating. We were playing very similar, and I was happy to do it, but we were playing very similar to the way I play Apex, which is I stay on the outside of the circle and I make my way in because you don't want to be in the center circle because in Apex, you get jumped a lot. You get fucking third party to bunch. Uh, and so you don't want to take fights that you don't dictate the cadence of if you don't get to pick when a um when a, a fight starts then you you have a lot of trouble picking when it's going to end unless they all fucking stream in on you at the same time um so if you can't immediately go if you can't work out where all three other players are and then go them all at once to make sure it's over quick so you don't get third partied or so that you've got at least a little bit of time to prepare sorry fuck sorry about that um to prepare, I just fucking need my fucking desk pretty good. That was good. Um, yeah, if you don't have the time to fucking prepare for the third party or if you, you know, don't kill them before the third party, then you will die to the third party. Uh, it seems like NA, uh, NA teams do a similar thing. They, they stay on the fucking outside of the circle, but the, the range of the circle is such that you will fucking never rotate in time. Like the 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 pressure it puts on a team to rotate successfully if you have failed to get any kind of circle luck is overwhelming in PUBG. Um, you don't have the mobility that you do in Apex or anything like that, you know? So everything is tough. So you need, you need circle dominance. And my third-party crew doesn't really care too much for that. Um, they don't really go in for circle dominance. And the one one time when I insisted on playing to the center of the circle, um, we were playing on Miramar, 
and uh, we landed up in the top right corner near whatever that fucking military base is up there. And the circle was, uh, I'd say like a quarter off the bottom southwest side of the map. It was like legit as far away as fucking possible. It was spectacular. I got in the circle. Uh, like we didn't even land together either because they goofed up. They're goofy cunts. Entertaining. They're goofy cunts. And uh, yeah, I, I went into the circle on my own. Uh, we lost one person because they drove way too close to the fucking um, Hacienda. I went to the church and just sort of waited for the other two to, to catch up. They stopped for, I think, like three different firefights along the way. Uh, got caught out in the blue. Lost their vehicle. Had to go get another vehicle. Eventually made it to me. We got into the circle. Got further into the circle. I found us a really good spot in the center of the circle. And then we got killed by hacks. But what can you do? Uh, that was when we were still on SEA servers. Uh, the best part about this game is that you could tell... Like, I've never seen a more blatant hacker in my entire fucking life. You should have seen this dude track me through a building while I jumped out of the window. He like literally tracks me and then uh, takes some shots as soon as I'm visible, which you would if you had ESP, uh, fails, tries to circle around on me. And then he's like snapping to me. He's like continuously snapping onto me. Uh, so he's got some sort of fucking aimbot lock. Uh but the best part is, I guess, his his in his view, the idea was to make it less noticeable uh, on the kill feed because his bot locks onto my chest and I ran around uh, and got between, like, there was like a fucking wooden board at my chest height. And you got to see this dude is literally trying to drag his mouse up away and the either either recoil on his gun works in the direct opposite way to regular recoil because it was forcing his gun back down to my chest or his lock wouldn't he couldn't unlock from the fucking chest. So he's just hammering into these boards and dragging up a bit every single time. Uh, I would have killed him except I had a desert eagle that I really wanted to get a kill with. <laughs> Because I hadn't seen it before. Uh, and uh, it was a dumb idea. So uh, I died like the dog that I am. But uh, yeah, I reported him. And I got I actually got a fucking notice, a notification saying that a player I'd been report I had reported got suspended. Which is fucking cool. Um, I haven't seen that before. That was also, yeah, that was prior to the Aussie servers being back. I haven't, I haven't seen any noticeable hackers since Wednesday when the OCE servers came back. And yeah, I've been having fun. Um, it's good. I think it's great. I uh, got a bunch of chicken dinner. The that's I think that's the most it, the most noticeable thing, right? Uh, apart from first person and third person, is that I think mechanically, um, the the players on the third person team, I would back them in fifty fifties against the players in my first person crew. No offense. To my first person crew, uh, but these dudes are fucking guns. Like every time I'm dead and I'm spectating them, their aim is fucking phenomenal. 
Uh, and they hit shots from fucking yonks out. They are fantastic mechanically. But their positioning is fucking shit. They are awful at getting into the right fucking spots. Uh, they, like... I don't think you could buy a fucking decent circle for them because they'd still find some way to fuck it up. They would literally... You could literally land in the center of the circle from the start and have every circle stay centered on them and they'd decide to fucking move somewhere else. I guarantee... Yeah, they are. their positioning is fucking cooked. Uh, and so, as a result... First person crew, uh, we have like fucking, I don't know, four kills and uh, four wins in the last week, four chickadees, uh, shit tons of top five finishes. And I would say we have one top three finish with the third person crew. And it was work, it was effort. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, it's like, I would prefer, I prefer good positioning and lower mechanical skill to fucking bad position. Because fuck me, man. <sighs> bad positioning drives me fucking nuts. Because I know where I need to be. I know where I should be. I know where, I know we shouldn't stay to take a couple of extra shots at someone. But they're so fucking, so bloodthirsty. And it's just a, it's a play style that I'm not about. I will be like, don't take that shot. At almost all times. I will be like, don't, you shouldn't take that shot. And yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I think I, I've talked about this before. I might have written, written about it. The, the, the choice to not take a shot is... And, and being rewarded for that choice is as satisfying as any kill in in a battle royale game to me. Um, the the making the correct decision, even if that correct decision results in no shot, I think is so fucking cool. It feels so fucking badass. The idea that you held their fucking life in your hands and you decided to let them let them go for you know, victory down the road feels fucking rad to me. Uh, but clearly not to everyone. Um, anyway, uh, it's awesome. PUBG's well back now. I mean, provided queues keep popping, uh, I'm getting sub 10 pings. It feels fucking great. Uh, yeah, me and Drew won a squad game as a duo last night. It was fucking sick. We got Super gifted, the fucking circle. But I did get the last win with the most spectacular of grenades. I felt so fucking pro with this grenade. Uh, I I chucked it and it landed short. But I had made it land short on purpose because I could see that the guy was out, the last guy was outside of the zone and he would have to run in that direction. So I landed it short to where I thought he would get to, and it's exactly where he fucking went. I felt like suck. That was some fucking 400 IQ shit, baby, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's pretty rad. And uh, yeah, I'll continue to play third person. I'll continue to play first person. I'll continue to hate Sandhawk. Sandhawk is a shit map that I hate. I cannot believe that it's being rotated into the esports scene i think that's fucking ridiculous it doesn't make any fucking sense it's a completely different play style uh it'd be like it'd be like a fucking quarter of all fucking fifa world cup 
games being played on a fucking foot, futsal pitch. Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. It's ridiculous. Um, the snow map, whatever, Vikendi or whatever it is, I think that's cool. It's a good map. I really like it. I have some great fights in there. Um, Miramar's still great, still too big, in my opinion. And New Arangul is fucking really good. Um, I'm getting good performance in it, like better performance now than I used to. Uh, and yeah, it looks prettier. Like, it's just nicer on the eyes, which is cool. Anyway, uh, I'm going to pause for a second and quickly look up some news because I didn't do this beforehand. Luke would be so mad. But uh, I will be right back. <clears throat> okay, so we'll get a bunch. Uh, we're going to kick off with Deviant. Uh, Deviant. Defiant. Ceases production. Uh, so Defiant uh, were the Brisbane-based studio um, who made Hand of Fate. Uh, very sadly, uh, they announced on Twitter and Facebook yesterday, I believe, um, that they were ceasing production um, on on a new game on on their next product, uh, next title, ceasing development of new titles rather. Uh, and um, yeah, they posted a video of, of a world in my attic, which was visually quite. Like, really interesting. Uh, another board game style game. Um, yeah, with some... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really know how it was going to play, to be honest. But it looked fucking really intriguing. And I love the idea of digital board games. I love the... I, I, I can't believe that the concept hasn't carried more. Because board games are way on, on the come up. So, um, here's to Defiant. And all the developers in Brisbane doing their best. Um, cheers Hand of Fate and Hand of Fate 2 uh, I've been smashing Hand of Fate 2 uh, on my Switch since it came out uh, like fantastic ideas fantastic execution and uh, it's a shame it's a shame that new development has ceased so he's hoping they get the, the new jobs of their dreams um Next up, we've got Nintendo uh, released an internal memo saying that they would repair Switch Joy-Con. Uh, Joy-Cons being reported for Drift for free, but you have to go to them for that. Uh, and they would refund people who had been previously charged for it. It was $80 to get it repaired. That's as much as a fucking new Joy-Con costs? Fucking cheek of these cunts. They're only doing, they still refuse to admit any faults uh, or that the product itself is faulty, um, but they are doing it for free uh, because they just want to see people smile, they say. They're doing it because there was a, there's a fucking class action lawsuit. They're doing it because there is a class action lawsuit being filed against Nintendo f for deliberately releasing Joy-Cons that are of low quality and will fail and specifically never doing anything fucking about it. I don't know that this Joy-Con repair works in Australia. I believe it's the US only. It's nothing about this leaves a good taste in my mouth. It is gross. It should never have fucking happened. Um, what do we got? What do you think, Luke? <laughs> and he'd be like, oh yeah, no, it's not good. He never really engages in the news. I never know what he's doing during the news sections. I just read the news out 
and I give my input, my thoughts on the concept, and then he'll just chime in with like a, yeah, I'll be like fucking high quality, high quality bands, Luke. That's what people tuned in for. Um, the international passes thirty million dollars. It is the biggest esports prize pool ever. International nineteen uh, being held in China next month, about this time next month. Um, yeah, actually, it's like two two weeks away. I should get my fucking finger out. Um, impossible to get press passes. I tried. I honest to God tried, uh, but I couldn't do it. Um, and I tried for another colleague of mine. Couldn't do it. It's just not happening. Uh, real shame. But it does seem like it's going to be a big fucking, a big one. Um, it's not a good time for a lot of people. China is not a, uh, a helpful time zone for a lot of viewers. But uh, nevertheless, I do expect that this will be a very popular one. Um, I'm sure the crowds themselves, like on on scene, will be fucking huge. Because uh, when I went to the Hearthstone Global um, Hearthstone World Championship Tour in Shanghai, it was fucking packed. People were fucking gagging for it. People were well in for esports. Um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to to see how that one works out. I'm excited for it. Um, what do we got? Overwatch Rolllock and New Heroes. So uh, they've announced the New Hero Sigma. I don't really have that much of an idea of what he does. All I know is that he's not needed to kill goats. Uh, when I, I did a big deep dive on um, Baptiste last year, uh, they didn't give me the same opportunity for Sigma. I don't know why. I thought I I asked some really fu good fucking questions and the story I did not went really well with it. Um, whatever. No, uh... Yeah, he's not needed to, to kill goats, which is basically the only thing Blizzard needs to fucking focus on at the moment is killing goats. Not needed. Because they have killed goats with the roll lock. You are now... Each team is made up of two DPS, two tanks, and two healers, and you now queue into uh, one of those roles. Specifically, people would like... I've seen on the internet people would like it to go further and require people to queue as main tank or off tank or just tank. Uh, but uh, other than that, um, it seems like it's a good thing to stop goats. Goats, if you don't know already, is a team composition made of three tanks and three healers. Uh, and it was prevalent in the Overwatch League, uh, in esports in general, in Overwatch esports in general, to the point where... Uh, it literally, literally hurts the viewing experience um, significantly. Significantly, it was it was bad to the point that uh, I remember at the World Cup qualifiers in Thailand last year, the coach of Team Australia very proudly explained to me how he had opted to not use goats in any form because he thought it was garbage. And, yeah. Anyway, uh, they've killed goats. Well done. Um, what else have we got? We've got the Ubisoft Experience Sydney will take place at the at UNSW in, in the UNSW, in UNSW Roundhouse, 14th and 15th of September 2019. All proceeds will be going to Are You OK? Uh, which is awesome. It's an immersive community event. Uh, tickets are $19.95 or $20. Uh, it will involve 
esports. It involves um, like a showcase of all their biggest titles, uh, panels. It's going to be just a big old fucking Ubisoft love fest, basically, uh, which is very cool. Um, I've got some more details. Where did it go? There it is. For some reason, I got the email twice in a row. Um, so they're going to showcase Beyond Good and Evil 2, Watch Dogs Legion, Ghost Ghost Recon Breakpoints, and Roller Champions, which I've already pointed out isn't great. But uh, yeah, if you're in Sydney, uh, it's, it seems like it'd be totally worth checking out. So it's on Saturday, Sunday, September 14th and 15th. And like I said, all proceeds are going to Are You OK? Which is a, a fucking fantastic cause. So uh, yeah. That's uh, that's it. That's the news in brief to borrow. I was listening to, I don't know if anyone listens to the fucking IGN podcast. Um, I was on it a couple of weeks ago and uh, Nate was on it last week and I finished my stupid fucking ebook and I haven't fucking worked out what, what my next book's going to be yet. So I've been listening to the podcast. I already spoke about how I listened to Here's My Movie, which is Nate's other podcast. Uh, and then I listened to all of his addition to our podcast uh, but yeah, I was listening to the IGN podcast and they spend like the fucking first 10 minutes of that fucking podcast roasting the fuck out of me. And I'm not even there. Like they just get into me cause I can't do voices that you don't, if you've ever listened to their podcast before, it is highly entertaining. Uh, they put in a lot of effort into the scripts. They do like these skits and stuff where you do like you, They've got like a news in brief section where they take the piss out of the news uh, that's happened in the last whatever period of time it is between from like their last podcast and, and the current one. Uh, so they take the piss out of the news and uh, yeah, it gets wildly out of control every single fucking time. Uh, and they also do like other skits where, you know, something relevant to what's happened in, in that week in video games. Uh, but the thing is, when you go in to do one of their fucking podcasts, you'll show up, right? And they hand you a fucking sheet. They hand you like six sheets of paper. They hand you six sheets of paper and they sit you down and they give you a bunch of beer and then they will literally read from their script and then they'll point at you and like you have to have been reading along to know where the fuck they're up to you. And then you have to do a voice in whatever fucking... So they'll be like... uh Constance Pleasance, uh, a middle-aged housewife, has has this to say about the development. And then you're supposed to do a fucking housewife voice? And it's on the spot. What am I supposed to do? So I do a Cockney lady, and I get a lot of shit about it. And just it's just it just seems like it's a bit of a raw deal to roast the fuck out of me for doing bad voices. Because... They all seem quite good at voices. They've got like, they've got like a fucking, there's a canon to their fucking, they've got like recurring characters and shit. And meanwhile, I'm just doing, I'm doing my best. I'm out there doing my fucking best, way out of my fucking elements. I'd like, they're like, come on the podcast. I'm like, don't worry about me. I know about podcasting. I'm Joe, Joby Gilroy. I can fucking, I can talk, cunts. Don't worry about me. Okay, I'll get this podcast done. I talk over planes all the fucking time. Um, and then they get me in. They're like, read off this script. I'm like, hold up. That's not where I, that's not where I expected. 
Um, yeah. Anyway, it's it's always a bit of fucking. It's, it's, it's a hospital pass. So it'll land me in Ward 4. Um, okay, let's check out the questions. When's the last question? 17th. When's that? Okay. Baz writes. Oh no. I can see Luke is in the first three words. I assume Luke was supposed to be right. Yeah. Okay. Baz writes. Why does Luke get angry? <clears throat> Why does Luke get angry but when people say Valve doesn't make games? They are kind of right. Counter-Strike Remake aside, in the last decade, they've done a shitty card game, Artifact, and just copied mods other people have made, Dota 2 and Unplugged. If someone had told me 10 years ago that that's all they'd made, I would have laughed at them. Well, <clears throat> uh, Baz, Counter-Strike is, of course, another copied mod, so I just want to throw that one at you. Um, yeah, like... I don't want you to think... I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just adding that also Counter-Strike is another copied mod. So uh, that's all they do, really. Um, it's a good question, Baz. Uh, I can't answer for Luke, but I believe uh, it would go something like... Oh, shut up, Baz. Anyway, I nailed it. Um, that is the podcast for... The 26th of July. Uh, we'll be back next week, having played a game I can't yet talk about, but if you follow me on Twitter, at JobyJojo, you will have seen uh, uh, all the details of what I'm fucking doing. Uh, I'm just going to um, read Luke's usual outro. Uh, but before I do, first of all, uh, I want to thank all our our, our Patrons on Patreon, you're the best. Uh, as always, I don't think you need to patronize us. That can't be the word. Um, but uh, we really appreciate it, and it does help us get this podcast out, keep the keep the lights on. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, but um, yeah, everyone who listens is the best. But I love our patrons the most. Uh, okay, here's what Luke usually says. Subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review us. It really helps us. If you rate and review us, it helps other people find the podcast. Uh, and that's always good. Uh, email us at the gapodcast at gmail.com. I don't know why this is in the fucking thing. Cause we, um, become a fan of us on facebook.com slash the GA podcast, twitter.com slash the GA podcast, or head to our website, thegapodcast.com. Uh, you can also watch our YouTube videos on thegapodcast.com slash YouTube. Uh, and you can join us on Discord, uh, thegapodcast.com slash Discord. If you go on Discord, it will get a much have a much better time of uh, getting your answer, uh, questions answered because um, Luke's not the only one with a login to Discord, so that's good. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, you can also play games with us. We've we're, we've got two different Battle Royale channels now. We've got Best Battle Royale, which is Apex Legends. We've got Worst Battle Royale, which was Fallout 76, uh, but is currently PUBG. Because uh, no, like, PUBG, Fallout 76's Battle Royale isn't, isn't even getting a look in. Um, 
So yeah, join us for some of that. Join us for some Underlords. We had a big game with the Underlords the other day, and I'd love to make it bigger. My dream is to have a full eight, eight team, eight, eight stack. Um, yeah. Uh, or yes, you can uh, patronize us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the GA podcast. Uh, you can find me at Joby Jojo on Twitter, uh, or you can read my stuff on redbull.com. We have a really good piece this week, uh, from Andrew Amos, uh, about the roll lock. He talked to Color Hex, who is playing for Boston Uprising, uh, and Jordation, uh, who's playing for, I want to say, I want to say Order. And I believe um, Noxious is the coach of the Sydney Drop Bears. So he asked all three of them what they thought about the concept of the roll lock, uh, which is fantastic. It's, I think it's worked out really well. It's a really good piece. Didn't really get the love I thought it would it deserve, considering it's got, you know, OW all players in it, but whatever. Um, I don't want to go into that. Uh, and you can also check out my big piece talking to Luke 12 on Red Bull. Um, that one's getting quite a lot of love. I'm glad. Um, that dude's awesome to t- talk to. He was so fucking relaxed. He literally landed off a fucking 24 hour flight, uh, plane, uh, from back from fucking Sweden, wherever the fuck they were. And, uh, he's hit me up on Twitter. And he's like, Oh yeah, you want to chat? I'm like, yeah, man. When, when's good. He's like, Oh yeah, cool. Well, right now, man. I'm like, didn't you just get off a plane? He's like, yeah, I don't care. What a fucking slick dude. We did it the next day anyway. Um, so I wanted to make sure he wasn't jet lagged. Gave me some awesome answers. We go real in depth into the concept of uh, the, the the challenges behind OCE esports, uh, especially PUBG or specifically PUBG. Rather. So that's good. Uh, and yeah, you can go read my uh, How Does the Game Become an Esport Mammoth piece. Huge. Uh, 3,300 30, words now, I think. Chopped it down a little. Um, totally worth a read, I think. Um, obviously, I put a fucking shit ton of effort into it, um, but it is the you know it was one of, another one of those ones where I had to challenge myself to write as top level as possible to write a story that I th- I thought was broad enough to be appealing to a lot of people, but also had the depth required to explain some extremely complex concepts. So yeah, I think, I think it's a unqualified success, but I have literally no measurement of these, these things. I think everything I do is great. Otherwise I wouldn't fucking publish it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Go check it out. Um, that's it next week. Yeah. And like I said, Luke and I all, I believe we will be able to talk about what we're doing next week, next week. And, uh, so we'll be able to talk about that on the podcast. We should be back. It will be slightly late for our patrons again, because I like this one's only going on Friday because Luke was supposed to be back on Friday, like today. Um, and he is instead on a plane. I don't know if he will be able to put this up. Uh, I don't know when he gets on his plane, but I do know it's fucking 20 plus hours of uh, travel. So... I think it might not get up until Saturday, unfortunately, which I would absolutely apologize for, but um, it's just the, the trickiness of being international jet setters, I guess. Um, we will get back on our regular scheduled schedule. Uh, everything will be cool. Hope you enjoy this podcast. 
I love you all. I'll catch you later. Bye.